Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 84 of Bleeding Blue and the New York Football Giants. This past Sunday beat a very sad depressed and terrible Washington football club by an ass-kicking score of 24-3 in East Rutherford. And for the first time since 2016, the New York football giants do not have a losing record heading into the month of October. Winning is fun. We're about to have a lot of fun. So get ready for fun. Without further ado, let's bleed. David, what are we bleeding? We're bleeding blue, Justin. Did I sound like a cat there? You weren't going for guitar? Wouldn't that make more sense? It, I was going for guitar, but then once I did it, I was like, oh, this definitely sounds like a cat. No. I wasn't it is Halloween. Oh, no, wait. Whoop, that's No, that's that's not true. It is. What are you talking about? It is about? the month of Halloween, I, is what I meant to say. It is indeed the month of Halloween, Justin. Yes. Very good. Happy October 1st. We're, we are recording on October 1st. Happy October, Justin. How do you feel about the fall, David? I love the fall. My favorite. It's my favorite season. I mean, I'm fat and the weather starts to get a little bit cooler, but I'm pissed the freak off, David, because Why? fall, it, it's it's never going to come. Today, when you're listening to this, it's like 90 degrees in the tri-state area. Yeah, tomorrow's going to be hot, too. Well, that, no, I know, David. I said today. Because people are listening to this tomorrow, I know. I'm I'm saying in addition. No, Jesus, it's going to cool Justin? off on on Thursday. It's going to cool off. Oh my god! Oh, you're lying. No, it's not. I, I saw a weather report. It says, it, it, David, because Wednesday is going to be 90 degrees. I think it jumps back down to like 70 on I know. Thursday. Oh, are you are are you're not being honest with when we're recording? No, I'm this, not. You? you asshole. Because this is good radio. You're terrible. Get get out of here. You know, formations and personnel. What- I would just prefer to not. I'm going to beat your ass. I would just prefer to not dupe our listeners. Listeners, we're recording this on October 1st. It is 6.15. There, Justin. What are you going to do now? Oh, my God. I could say something. But I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So after you totally just butchered that whole opening segment about talking about fall and talking about the weather, David, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I uh, good day at work. I'm I'm ready to talk some uh, some 500 Giants football. 
You bought a car today. I did buy a car today. Yes, I did. You know that uh, the podcast business is quite lucrative. Oh yeah, Porsche. All that money. All that money we're making. Corvette Stingray. Oh no, Beamer. Oh Beamer. You got you got to lease you got to lease Beamers. You can't you can't buy a Beamer because if you buy it in the United States, it goes bad after like fifty fifty thousand miles. Good to know. So Justin, you have a lot of, you have a lot of experience with Beamers because you're you're swimming in it like that. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, uh, uh, David, uh, David, why we're talking so casually and why we're talking and giggling? We're not, we're not really giggling. Why we're joking around? Uh, like we kind of did. Sorry, UCLA summer. professor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. UCLA professor must be so mad. Uh, we probably have a decent amount of listeners now who don't know who UCLA professors is. Um, you see, so during the summer when, you know, there was not a ton of football to talk about because football wasn't being played yet, David and I had a very similar flow to the start of our episodes, very much like this, because we like to have fun. And because the Giants, you know, they've been losing the start and everything has been tense. But now this is pretty much the first week where it isn't so tense, where we're actually going to sit back and kind of enjoy what's happening with this football team. Yes, we are 500 for like, the first time since 2016 in the month of October. And uh, it's pretty fun. Last Sunday was pretty fun. Played a very defeated, very depressing Washington team. And David, I I just want to talk about this to like start. How sad is that Washington football team like right now? Justin, when I tell you, I I believe the Dolphins are probably worse. Just if you look at the roster, I think there's just less talent on the Dolphins. Now, mind you, remember, this is important to remember, the Redskins were missing two starting offensive linemen and their number one wide receiver. That can't be overlooked. We can't just ignore that. And they were extremely thin at interior linebacker as well. Yeah, we we, we can't ignore that. But... I said this on the pregame show, and I think I said it on on our Periscope before, right before the game. The Giants need to jump on them. You'll be able to break their spirit very, very quickly. It's not going to take a lot. All it's going to take is, is for them to get in the hole, and you you essentially own the game from that point on because everything is going to turn into about Dwayne Haskins and Jay Gruden and and job security and what what happens next with them. And that's exactly what happened. You saw, and you you put it perfectly, Justin. You saw a defeated football team. And it's a football team that, like, even when the Giants have been at their worst the last couple of years, I never got the feeling that the team as a whole just didn't care anymore. And I never got the feeling that the team wasn't fighting. I, you and I both were at the game, at least in the stadium, it felt like the team, the the Washington Redskins just gave up. They were done. By about halftime, they were done. Especially after the pick six, they were there was not a doubt in my mind. You know, this is only a at that point, it's only a three score game. There's tons of time left, and the defense played pretty well in the second half. I mean, the Giants still were able to move the ball, but the defense they were getting timely plays. They were turning the ball over. They were making plays. They were keeping them in it. But even, despite the fact that it it wasn't the blowout that it felt like. You never got the feeling that the Redskins were ever going to not not only try to start a comeback, but you never got a feeling that they were going to even throw a punch. They were done. 
Yeah, I mean, there was there was about seven minutes left in that fourth quarter, David, and Jay Gruden on like third down and six, he's calling run plays on like yeah. uh, you know, and and it and it wasn't like they're on the giant side of the fifty. They're on their own. They're on their own side of the fifty. They're nowhere even close to midfield, and it's the third down. They're conceding the game. They were trying to get out of there. This isn't. They were trying to get out of there, and not just trying to. It's this wasn't just the normal average football game for that football team. This was a hail mary attempt at what we what we thought. Jay Grunin trying to save his job. Dwayne Haskins getting in there and trying to get in-game experience, and can this football team show you something in the fourth quarter with still six, seven minutes left? Can they show you something, anything, any sign of life, and instead of trying, you just lay down? Like, I I did not, I did not get that. That, it was just sad, sad to see. Now, did I hate it? No. No, I did not. <laughs> of course not. No, I not. did not. And the fact that, and the fact that, David, did you see that NewJersey.com article? I think it was, yeah, it was NewJersey.com article. Eric Flowers' comments after the game. What an asshat. Like he, and just in case you didn't see it, basically to sum up what Eric Flowers said, Eric Flowers is more happier in Washington being 0-4 because he isn't public enemy number one like he was in New York. There's so many problems on that team that he can't possibly get the finger pointed at him because actually it's funny. I've had the opportunity to listen to some Redskins stuff. Uh, I listened to like their rapid reaction podcasts after the game. Cause I, I, cause I wanted to get a feeling for just what you're, what you're talking about. Where is, where are the heads on the, on the, you know, the talk the people who talk about this team, where are they? What, what's their headspace? What do they think is going to happen with this team going forward? And it's, utter disbelief they knew they weren't going to be great coming into this season but i don't think they expected this and it's funny because they actually named eric flowers as one of the bright spots oh that's he how he actually is he's not playing terribly he's not great but he, he's I he's mean, holding his own david let's face it he's huge <laughs> he is yeah, he's an enormous. absolutely gigantic man and playing nfl guard is a much easier spot and position to play than than right tackle, let alone left tackle. And any time that kind of Eric Flowers was asked to do something outside of basically just getting out of your stance and just blocking whoever's in front of you or double teaming, any time that he was asked to pull, there were a few stunts that Eric Flowers missed. So any time that Eric Flowers was asked to do something kind of out of the norm, he was bad. Like he like he was not very good and he didn't make plus plus plays. But there were times where it's like, yeah, uh, you know, Eric Flowers kind of held his ground there. But a lot of the times it came in double teams when he was combining with centers and tackles. But, David, we all we kind of just point this out to say about this Washington football club because we need to appreciate the fact that the New York football giants, our football team, that we have seen lose football games like this in the past against teams in bad spots, we have seen them either A, get beat, or B, struggle mightily. This was a game that the Giants needed to take care of 
in the fashion that they did. I certainly did not expect that this Washington team would be so, so bad and they would be so, so helpless and Case Keenum would miss two wide open guys, you know, in the pretty much in the first half in that first quarter that would have changed the complexion of that entire game. Did not expect that bad or that that terrible quality of play. But the way that you have to look at this game is you have to be very, very excited over the fact that the Giants as a football team were able to take care of business in the way that they were able to take care of business, but you can't get too excited over some individual players and some individual things that you saw. Does does, does that kind of make sense where you can get very excited in one area, but you kind of have to hold your expectations and hold your reactions in another area? Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think and maybe we this can segue us into talking about a couple of a, a couple of more purely statistical things from Sunday. I think it's I, I think where you can get excited and and this is those were exactly my same thoughts with the Justin. No, do I believe this is a team that's capable now of going out and beating anybody 24 to 3? No. I, I think you need to fall in the right situation and this and like I mentioned on the pregame show, this game was it needed to be purely a business trip for the Giants. Come to work, beat the crap out of an inferior team, and get a victory and go home and get ready for next week. So you can't get too, too excited about the fact that they won, but I think what you can get very excited about is the style in which they won. Kind of in all three phases of the game, domination. Besides TJ Jones dropping. Yeah, yeah, punt, that, seriously. No that's, the, the team. that's the only... The only Part of the game that was shaky was was really TJ Jones, and you don't you don't want to turn the ball over four times. Um, we can talk about that in a second. But when you just look right. at just when you just look at the the you know the 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 surface stats, Giants were eight for thirteen on third down. Yes, yes, this is huge. I would probably I would probably say I think in both directions it's huge. Eight for thirteen on third down, and on the defensive end, allowed two of eleven. Both of those are enormous, and and you know the defense is still a work in progress. Though I think suddenly those week that week one and two freak out that everybody was having. Now we don't seem so freaked out about it anymore because you're starting to see a couple of players really fitting into a role. And we we're gonna I think we're gonna talk about that more in detail. And David, can I read you another stat that's kind of like talking about third down? Go ahead. So the Giants were not only eight for thirteen on third down but they were five for five on third downs in yards between two and four. Perfect. Which exactly. tells me that, you know, they're, they're putting themselves in third and manageable situations, but also even when teams are kind of not expecting you to throw the ball deep down the field, Daniel Jones is still able to maneuver his way around the pocket, but also maneuver his way around the field to deliver catchable balls and move the chains, which is absolutely, absolutely. huge. And David, I even in the, even though this is a fourth down play, I think of that fourth down play as something that is a huge moment in that game. It did lead to a touchdown, but you had Washington coming out all out blitz. It was man coverage. Do not think there was a deep safety down the middle of the field. Because there was not. There Wayne, were, they were. It was straight. It was straight man across the board. There was no high safety. When Wayne Gallman motioned out of the backfield, you saw that single high safety follow him yep. out as a wide receiver, which tells me sitting at section 315, you know, you have two interior linebackers that looks like they're about to 
both go right through a gaps on both of their respective sides and you have a corner or a safety on every single wide receiver on the field i mean that's that's clear cut in my opinion man coverage so the giants have a few options the middle of the field is going to be wide open as long as an interior linebacker doesn't drop back or you're going to have somebody running a quick little route one-on-one and lo and behold the offensive line picks up everybody they need to pick up all those guys that were lined up in the box all out blitz nobody drops back so that that basically means i think that if you if you do the math that's about six guys rushing the passer five blockers one guy is going to be coming in and running free daniel jones knows this you can't you know the five guys have a very part time blocking six everybody picked up their assignments the guy on daniel jones's blind side came running through which is planned which is fine because daniel jones knows that somebody is going to be coming running through open he was able to deliver the the out route to sterling shepherd for a first down so just like those those little things and those little moments um, are just spectacular to see. Sterling Shepard running out of the slot, fantastic to see. We're going to talk about how whether we think that Sterling Shepard will continue to run out of the slot, especially out of eleven personnel with Golden Tate returning. So David, why don't we why don't we actually do that? Or do you want to say one more thing on this kind of topic? Because I do want to get to some of our our main storylines and headlines of the week because there are a decent amount of them. Okay, so let me let me just run through like a couple more things. I'm not gonna no no explanation. I'm just gonna run. Just gonna kind of name some of them. Again, talking about the 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 sheer lopsidedness of a lot of these statistics. You're talking 389 offensive yards to 176. Um, you're talking 164 rushing yards to 55. When I saw that the Giants had 164 rushing yards on Sunday, that blew my mind. I had no idea they racked up that many. It didn't oh, yeah. feel like they did. It was really spread across the team. Yeah, I said that on the uh, I made sure that before I went live on Periscope after the game, walking back to the car, I'm like, I got to check how many rushing yards we had because I know Daniel Jones had what, uh 23 or 33. I know yeah, Sterling Shepard racked I know Sterling Shepard racked up maybe another 23 yards as well. But, you know, those this is kind of like what we expected. We wanted Wayne Gallman to be somewhere around four yards per carry. I think he was at three and a half. And then Hilleman had about, you know, three and a half, three yards per carry so, yeah, as well. This is, so this is the breakdown. So Gallman had 63 yards, uh, three and a half yards a carry. Yeah. Hilleman had, 30, had 33 for 3.3. Jones had 33 for 6.6. Shepard had 23 on one carry. And Eli Penny had 12 on three carries. Yeah. So obviously the 160 yards total rushing is a little inflated because of how many other guys got the ball in their hands. But you want to know what at the same time, David, it's part of the game. And exactly. No, of, I don't I don't consider that an inflated number at all. It's it's a part of it's a part of this. I don't want to say new, but it's a part of this Giants football team as they are. You know that Sterling Shepard is going to have one or two carries on a reverse or on an end around. You know that he's going to have that once or twice a game. I would even like to see them try it with Evan Ingram. I would, I, it's it's coming, David. It's coming, and it's going to be big, and it's going to come in a big fucking moment, and I know it. it. They're they're saving it. They ran it some last year, and how dynamic Evan Ingram has been with the ball in his hands this year, they're waiting for it, and I know and, they're going to do it. And not only how dynamic has he been with the ball, but I really want to take a quick, quick minute. The wide receivers in this team are excellent blockers. Oh, yeah. They have been fantastic. And we touched on that in, I believe, both Cody Latimer and Sterling Shepard's 
previewing the Giants. Darius Slayton is his uh, Darius Slayton has even been killing it in that department too. But when they when when a, when a ball carrier, doesn't matter who it is, has the ball on the outside, these guys are not just they're not just getting a hat on a hat. They're getting downfield. They're pushing their man. They're creating lanes. It's not just a matter of holding somebody. They're making plays. When you when you hear Pat Shermer after the game talk about a total team win, it truly is. Both of these wins have been total team wins. So we could talk more about stats, but let's let's get moving. Let's get moving ahead. Yeah, so we have some uh, we have some main storylines. Um, not just the uh, the injury department and the injury report, but uh, Golden Tate returns. Golden Tate is going to return this week. He's been out for four weeks. Um, that'll be <clears throat> excuse me. That'll be really interesting to see how he's integrated back. Now, the Golden Tate, I'm going to call it a problem that we have, is a very good problem. We'll get to that, but I want to run through these storylines really quick. Ryan Conley, unfortunately, this is this kind of really leaves you a lump in your throat, and it was kind of predictable, um, especially if you were watching the telecast this Sunday and apparently you heard a scream uh, as Ryan Conley went down on the telecast, I know the mics were pretty hot this weekend, David. I'm, I was yeah, watching the uh, I was rewatching the game on Game Pass, and you know you could hear Daniel Jones. You can hear some things pretty clearly on that sideline, so it wouldn't be surprised if he actually heard Ryan Conley scream. So that torn ACL really does suck because Ryan Conley has honestly been the most consistent linebacker, um, really, out of all of them this year. And, and it, it really has, been, it hasn't been close either. Yeah, it hasn't been close. And the fact that we were calling him a project just a few weeks ago during training camp really does suck. But he will be back. Um, he'll have this year, you know, in the summer, the offseason to really recover, which is, I guess, the timing of it. You have to choose timing of it. It's it's good to get it. You know, if he's if guy's going to tear his ACL, it's good to have it in the beginning of the season. Uh, so the corresponding move to that was Josiah. Fuck, I forgot how you say his last name, David. Help me, me out. Hold on. You forgot it too? I can't you both forgot it. Tawefa. Wait, say it again. Josiah Tawefa. Thank you. He's returning. One of the best, literally, one of the best form tacklers that I've like ever seen. Like his form tackling is absolutely fantastic. So don't know how much he's going to play, especially if Alec Ogletree and Tay Davis can also return. I think Tay Davis is a little bit closer to coming back than Alec Ogletree is, but I don't know their status this week. So just keep an eye on that on that if you're a Giants fan throughout the week. Lorenzo Carter had some neck soreness, but he will be okay. Uh, Tuzar Skipper looks solid in his limited snaps. Um, so even if Lorenzo Carter does go out, um, he had a Tuzar Skipper had a nice bull rush on one of our sacks as well. I think he got a I think he got credited with a with a half a sack as well. But you even saw. O'Shane Eximenez and Marcus Golden both had more snaps, I'm pretty sure, than Lorenzo Carter this Sunday. So really, David, you talked about defense by committee, defense by committee, excuse me, defense by committee all summer. And I think you were mainly kind of referring to the secondary, but even this, you know, this front seven, these guys are going in and out constantly. Even I want to talk about O'Shane Eximenez. There was a... There was a third down play. Now, Ryan, this was the play that Ryan Conley um, combined on a sack with somebody else. But one of Ryan Conley's big sacks and his big plays during this game, Ocean Eximenez was lined up as a line interior linebacker in the A-gap, and he doesn't come into blitz. He actually dropped back in coverage. You had Dalvin Tomlinson as a defensive end 
on like a third down and O'Shane Ximen is lining up in the A-gap. I, that was like some of these personnel looks that the Giants, uh, that James Betcher showed this weekend was kind of crazy. The best word I can come up with, it's, it's for an offense, it's got to be chaotic. You you have no idea who you're going to see line up in front of you. And with for a team, this was kind of my point the whole summer, with a team that has a lot of pieces on defense that will will go as far as they are put together, if that makes any sense. So... It's it's really up to how James Betcher uses a lot of these pieces. I don't think a guy like Marcus Golden is good enough, or is has the capability right now, of going one on one with a tackle. He, I think he'll get swallowed up. It's not where he's going to make his money. Where he's going to make his money is getting himself put in plus matchups where he can dominate. And I think the last two weeks, especially, that's been happening. And it's about getting a guy like Dexter Lawrence. Good matchups and O'Shane Zeman has good matchups. Um, to your point about their snaps, I just want to run through this really quick. Lorenzo Carter had 31 snaps, O'Shane and Marcus Golden both had 30. So they essentially logged the same amount of snaps. Um, oh, so, I, so I was wrong. I'm a bad guy. I mean, you're you're right there, though. Don't worry, Justin. You're right there. Didn't how many snaps did Dexter Lawrence get? Dexter Lawrence got 33, which I which I'm, I'm happy to see. So he got more than everybody, he got 65% of the snaps. Wow. David, I want to I want to say this about Marcus Golden because you mentioned that he can't necessarily win. I mean, not that he can't. And I'm not saying he can't. You said, you said that he has. You said that he has trouble kind of winning one on one matchups. There are better matchups for him. Put it that way, David. He's he has nine QB hits, which is tied for second in the NFL. Oh, he's dominating. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not at all trying to say that he's not dominating. He absolutely is. But I think a large part of it has to do with the way James Betcher is is utilizing him. They are utilizing him to maximize his potential and his ability. And it's exactly what you saw um, in his 2017 season in Arizona. It's the exact same thing. Benny Fowler and TJ Jones were cut. I mean, let's just talk about this quickly and then we'll move into our game balls of the week. Um, Benny Fowler, David, you have a great point on Twitter. You said something today and I, I really do kind of agree with it, so I'll let you take the the floor on this one. So, yeah, I I think TJ Jones makes sense. Um, just to address him really quick, I love TJ Jones. Don't get me wrong. I wish I had you had seen him more um, offensively. I don't really know why they didn't. He just didn't get a lot of snaps. Um, well, you I mean you got to remember that Slayton's here. Like Slayton's here, Latimer's here. So there's only you know, I, yeah, I, I get, there's I only so many steps to go around. I understand that, but. Right. His punt return has been a disaster. He can't catch the ball. He can't field it. Fine. Um, Benny Fowler, I've seen a lot of people confused to why he was cut. I think it has. I think it's twofold. One, I think they really like Cody Core. Um, he seems to be in on every single. He seems to be not only in, but he seems to make plays, or more importantly, doesn't get beat. Um, on special teams, on coverage, which. Is huge. I, I I think that's that's a that's a valuable valuable spot. Uh, you haven't really seen him much in the offensive game either, but I think he's making a name for himself on special teams. And I I think furthermore, I think Benny Fowler is he's an Eli guy. I think he and Eli have had has ha, have had a very very solid connection going back uh, into last year. Especially, you really saw Fowler play well a lot of last year, which is why I think he was a no brainer to get a roster spot this season. Um, but you really haven't seen that connection with Daniel Jones the same way that it was with Eli. He's not a go-to guy for Jones. Um, 
And it's not like this team's not throwing the ball a lot. They're they're throwing the ball upwards of 30 times a game, but he just doesn't doesn't seem to get targets, doesn't seem to to make any any standout plays. So I think this makes sense. I think you I think what I appreciate about this move is this is a coaching staff that's looking at their team, looking at their team performance and saying, nobody is a gimme. Nobody has a gimme spot. If you're producing, you're going to stay on the team. If you're not producing, you're potentially next. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All right, so uh, David, let's let's move to our game balls. Um, you started last week. I will start this week, and my first game ball will be going to. Give me a second to pull up his Pro Football Reference page, please. Ever, pro football reference. Were you able to tell who I said by what I was mumbling, David? Were you able to tell or no? No, I was not. You were not. Oh, tough. All right. Yes. So my first game ball after that long little drum roll session <laughs> is Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard has honestly been one of my favorite players to just watch work this year and the way that he's been able to play and work now, especially it was these last, these last two games, David, this past week, he was targeted nine times. He had seven receptions, 76 yards. He had a, uh, almost 11 yards per reception with a 77.8 catch percentage that matched the same catch percentage that he had the week before in Tampa. And he had one rush for 20, three yards which was a pretty big play pretty cool play once again it's you know it's kind of like automatic now seeing sterling shepherd get one or two carries that that is going to go for at least a first down um so that has really been cool to see that now is that has been fully integrated into the game plan but david i really don't have numbers to back this up and eventually i think um once the season really starts getting along and once you can get more of a sample size to things rather than just four games in Sterling Shepard, I feel like almost every single time he ca- he touches the ball, he's at least getting five yards more. Whether it's on a running play, whether it's a catch, he's always getting at least five yards after the catch more than where he actually does catch the ball. And I like I'm I'm seeing it for the first time this year, like how effective he is in doing that. Because in years past, like we we had during his previewing the Giants episode where we knew and we said that, oh yeah, Sterling Shepard is one of the league's best wide receivers in yards after the catch. But it's like, you know, I, I don't, I didn't really see that. Like I didn't really see it and I didn't really appreciate it. Now I'm really starting to appreciate it just because like without Golden Tate, he has been the team's number one wide receiver. He's been the most consistent go-to guy. And it's funny because we spent a good amount of time, I think, being a little concerned about Shepard's ability to stand out as number one number one wide receiver, right? We saw it when Odell went down in previous seasons. Shepard kind of uh, seemed to do a little bit of, of a disappearing act uh, when he was asked to take on the, 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 the wide receiver one responsibilities. I think they're using him incredibly incredibly smart they're not pegging him into one hole they're just saying let's go get this guy open because he's dynamic let's get the ball in his hands he's dynamic there was a play that i it was um 
I don't know if it was on a third down, but it it eventually led to a Giants touchdown where Sterling Shepard had a catch right in the middle of the field. He was running in towards the sideline. It was a square in route, and it went for a first down. And he basically just finds a hole, and he finds a space in between three Washington defenders. I'm pretty sure this was the drive that led to the Wayne Gallman first touchdown, the Daniel Jones throw to Wayne Gallman, that, that first touchdown drive. And dude, he just he just finds a spot. And it's it was such a smart and intelligent play that honestly you see, you see all around the NFL that play being perfected all the time. Where you see certain wide receivers just finding space, they're finding holes, even when a good def- even when a defense has a good play established and good zone coverages and everybody is 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 where they are supposed to be. You just find that offenses sometimes, you know, they they just find a way. And Sterling Shepard has been finding a way no matter what. And mostly out of 11 personnel, which the Giants ran 65% out of 11 personnel last week, mostly because I think they had the lead towards the second half. I can imagine they would have ran 11 personnel maybe a little bit more if they were if they didn't have the lead, per se, because they ran a lot more 12 personnel, especially towards the second half. But out of 11 personnel, David, Sterling Shepard has been the slot guy. And I'm going to tell you what, I don't know if I want him leaving that role. I don't know. And I'm saying that genuinely because I don't know. <laughs> when we were going to talk about this later, but let's just do it now, and then we'll go back to game balls because right. we're, we're into a good conversation yes. here. So Sterling Shepard... I, I I think right now is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He let me let me throw this out there for for thought among wide receivers. Now now Sterling Shepard missed one game. Um, he's at he has twenty receptions right now. Uh, so so through three games he's got twenty receptions. He's averaging a little under seven receptions a game. So let's assume six receptions in that game. You know, let's assume he he just go on his average. That would put him at twenty six receptions. That's good for fifth in the NFL right now. The only receivers receivers who have more receptions than that are Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Cooper Cup, Tyler Boyd, and then he'd be tied with Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett, and Chris Godwin. David, take out that first game where he had seven yards per yep. target when Eli was there. He had almost 15 yards per target against Tampa Bay, and he had almost 11 against Washington, which that's pretty... Pretty damn good. Right. So the way they're using him, it's effective. He's not just getting getting receptions for show. He's he's making a difference in these games. And I don't think you you change a thing about the way this offense is functioning. The way I look at it is essentially what we're doing is you 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 pick up Golden Tate. And if if you're if your receivers one through three before Golden Tate, and, and I, I would say this is about accurate, Justin. If if you say they're in they're in some order, Sterling Shepard, Cody Latimer, and Darius Slayton, correct? Yeah, technically Fowler has gotten more snaps, but that's because Latimer snaps than Slayton. That's because well, and Latimer's been right, hurt. Right. That's that's yeah, correct. So. What you're doing is you pick up Golden Golden Tate, and let's just make the easy one to one, right? So, okay, let's agree. Let's say Fowler instead, as opposed to Slayton. If you pick up Tate, you dropped Fowler. All you need to do is quite legitimately replace one with the other. 
I don't think that should affect in any way, shape, or form the way that a guy like Sterling Shepard's being utilized, the way that Evan Ingram is being utilized, where they're lining up. Because personally, and I think you and I might disagree on this, or maybe you don't know yet, you can't make up your mind, I think Golden Tate on the outside is fantastic. I think he can produce the way a wide receiver one needs to produce. And I think that would allow Sterling Shepard to maintain this level of mismatch that he is he currently is for every team that we face. So I don't see any reason for Sterling Shepard's role to change. And I'm not talking in terms of snaps or targets or anything. I'm talking in terms of where he's lining up on the field, how they're trying to get him open, because it's working. Use Golden Tate as just another way to keep a team off balance, but don't change the way they're being utilized. Yeah, I, David, I really do think that Golden Tate was signed and he's here to be this team's slot wide receiver. And I think they went in with the with the plan during training camp that when Tate was out there, Tate was the slot guy, Shepard was the outside guy. And, I mean, obviously that inevitably just changes, that changes a lot of things. So that changes... Who's going up against you as, you know, whether you're going up against a nickel corner or an outside corner, you know, it, it changes a lot of things schematically, you know. Now, this is a great problem to have, David. This is a great problem to have where we have, you know, there's too many talented kind of pieces and there's too little space. <laughs> this is a great problem to have. And when's, and when's the... And when's the last time that we've said that about the Giants that, oh, you know, because really a forgotten guy out of this whole equation even is the emergence of Darius Slayton. You know, David, Darius Slayton, uh, his snap count is probably going to go down tremendously this weekend because, um, you know, uh, until a Cody Latimer injury, there's not really going to be that much space and that much room for him. And I'll take it. A, I'll take it even a step further. Uh, we're, we also seem to be forgetting who we lost in like the first couple snaps of the year. Who did we lose? Justin, a receiver by year. I mean, legitimately the year, not, not just the season. Are you talking about Corey Coleman? We lost Corey Coleman a long time ago. Oh yeah. He, he hasn't even entered my brain. You know, he was going to be on this roster or at the very least he was going to compete. And I believe he probably would have made it. Yeah. So you're right. They have a lot of talented guys for not a ton of spots. But I don't know if it's as good a problem as you think it is, Justin. I don't think these things work as easily as it might seem. I don't think you can just say, oh, well, you know, Golden Tate is better than these guys. So if you put them there and you move this guy here, I think it's very important. This is a team that's offensively moving the ball well and they're clicking and they're doing thing they're they're doing things well. Don't upset that by adding in a guy in a different spot. Don't just replace Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate. Leave Sterling Shepard where he is and allow Golden Tate to work his way into the offense. Don't just start saying, okay, well, now our slot guy's back. So, Sterling Shepard, you're going to move over even though you've been, uh, the, you're, you're currently producing at the highest level you've ever produced in your career. I don't, I don't know about, I don't know about that because I really do think that they did kind of have a plan for Sterling Shepard so as an outside guy and they had a plan for Golden Tate Particularly, I mean, you see, David, these, you know, what was Daniel Jones's first completion? And I'm talking about in the preseason. Daniel Jones's first completion, this isn't something that we saw often. We did see it one play 
in this Washington game to Sterling Shepard, where Sterling Shepard was able to run kind of like a deep slant and get some yards after the catch towards the middle of the field. It was the classic, uh, the classic Odell play. Yes, and that, that's exactly what I'm kind of talking. I'm, that's exactly what I'm trying to say without actually saying Odell's name. I think Golden <laughs> Tate is going to be very, very effective now. Obviously, maybe not as great as Odell, but for this football team, and because we have you know a little bit more consistent, better quarterback play here, this run-pass option, that with Golden Tate as the slot wide receiver with slants, that's making me giddy. And not to say that Sterling Shepard wouldn't be able to do it, but I think with Golden Tate, it's just better. I think they have a plan with Sterling Shepard as an outside guy. And I'm going to go back to how I started this whole conversation. I just don't know what that looks like. So, David, I want to move to the second game ball. I'm I'm going to take I'm going to take both right under you. I'm a bad guy. You're going to go both. And I'll I go took, both. Yes, I took the wind on right That's underneath. Fine. Go you. ahead. Right don't underneath worry about you. It. It's fine. It's fine. Now, I want to mention an honorable mention. Honorable mention is David Mayo. David Mayo is the honorable mention. He had four tackles, four assists for a combined eight tackles. David, there were two plays in particular that pop out. The first one was that screen play. Washington was running a running back screen. Mayo comes like a motherfucker. (laughs) I don't know what I want to say. I don't know what that that was like. That was like a half a metaphor. (laughs) You, were, I, I thought you were gonna say it. Like, th- that's what I was gonna say, but then I wanted something really intense. So then I said, "Motherfucker!" So like a mad. How about this? David Mayo comes running like a mad motherfucker from the opposite side of the field. He sacrifices his body, dives, and makes the tackle on the running back. It was it was kind of a it was kind of a gang tackle, but he really was the one to take down the take down the ball carrier. Then there was also a running play that was going to his opposite side. The, there was like a power play that was going to the left outside of a tackle. David Mayo is the weak side linebacker here. He runs from the opposite end of the field to to the other side of the field, and he makes the tackle. The dude is, I'm not going to say that he has great vision, but he made plays. He made plays that certainly nobody expected him to make, sacrificed his body, made tackles, honorable mention, David Mayo. Don't be so concerned if you're a Giants fan about the lack of depth at interior linebacker. I wouldn't be. I, you know, you, you you kind of should be in a way, but I wouldn't go as far to say the Giants have to sign Brandon Marshall like I saw a lot of thoughts worse in the beginning of the week. But David, my real game ball is Jabril Peppers. Uh, Jabril Peppers had three tackles, um, three assisting tackles, six combined tackles. He had an interception and two passes deflected. Uh, I know his pro football focus grade was above a 90. That was only the third time in his career which he received over a 90 pro football focus grade. And something I want to talk about here, David, the Giants ran a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of Jabril Peppers at money backer, particularly on second and third downs where you had Jabril Peppers lining up as a hybrid linebacker slash safety. He was lining up right next to one interior linebacker. You had four down linemen, you know, plus your outside linebacker slash edge rushers. And then behind Peppers and behind the interior linebacker, you have Michael Thomas at the strong safety and Twan Pathea at the free safety. Lo and behold, once the Giants started to run this a ton and they started to run this more consistently, Jabril Peppers had a very, very good game at multiple spots during the game where it's not only it it wasn't something where you had to look for good moments from Jabril Peppers. Those moments were there. And they popped out at you. 
Um, and there were even a few plays, David, where they, where the Giants ran not just a money backer with Jabril Peppers plus an interior linebacker, but only on third downs did they run this. Sean Chandler, Jabril Peppers as linebackers, money backers. And then behind them, they had Michael Thomas, Antoine Bethea. That was wild. I have never seen that before. Like four <laughs> safeties on the field, no linebackers, you know, however many corners that you need, probably three corners and then four down linemen. That was pretty crazy and pretty wild to see. Um, you know, Jabril Peppers has more touchdowns in MetLife Stadium than uh, Dwayne Haskins does. And uh, that was that I was even true heading into today because Jabril Peppers has scored many touchdowns in MetLife Stadium playing New Jersey, New Jersey high school uh, state championship games, oh, but right. I mean, hey, it is true. And Jabril, Pe- Jabril Peppers has as many touchdowns this year as Odell Beckham. Ooh, burn! Wait, hey, hold on. Ooh, that's not a joke yeah, though. That's, that's legit. That's, that's f- facts, facts, not. Opinion. But yes, no, please. Please, everybody, keep telling me that that was a hey, bad trade. Hey, one, ask, ask, ask Cleveland how they feel about that trade. football game, David. All right, get, in, get into your game balls, because I do want to talk about how important this Minnesota game is next week. Okay, my game balls, uh, I'll try to be quick. Um, my first one's going to go to Wayne Gallman. Uh, Saquon goes down. The world is ending. You need, you, we needed a hero. Uh, Wayne Gallman was not a hero, but he played very, very well. Um, 18 carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, and then was also the second leading, re- the second receiver. Seven targets, six catches, 55 yards, and a touchdown. So he produced both rushing game and the receiving game. When I say this, Justin and and the collective Giants world, please don't kill me. Wayne Gallman produced about the same as a very, very, very average game for Saquon Barkley. Two total touchdowns, over 100 scrimmage yards. The yards per carry were, was low, but we knew that coming in. We know when Gallman's not going to produce like Saquon Barkley. But Gallman held it down, no doubt. He was effective in the pass-catching game. Uh, Justin, you mentioned that fourth down or early on in the podcast. You you mentioned yes. that fourth down being a crucial play. I would say it take a step further. That I think an even more crucial play would be the third down that oh, got yeah. them there. Oh, yeah. Totally. It was a third and seven. It was a third and 17. And Wayne Gallman takes a swing pass and goes 15 yards. He catches the ball and gets upfield immediately, turns it upfield, breaks a tackle, makes a man miss, falls forward, gets to a fourth and two, a fourth and one, which makes that a much more manageable fourth down. Those are very, very little things that I think, as a Giants fan, you're concerned about Saquon Barkley not being in the game because that's a play Saquon Barkley makes. You have to wonder, is Wayne Gallman going to make those plays? And he certainly seemed to. Now, was he perfect? No, I'm sure he missed holes here and there. He was not as effective. Not He doesn't have the burst that Saquon has. He doesn't have the ability that Saquon has. But he produced. He produced at a pretty high level. And he, he point is he accounted for more than half of the Giants' points. So Wayne Gallman, no doubt, in my mind, extremely effective. And they're going to need that to continue. Uh, my second game ball on the defensive side is going to go to Janoris Jenkins. Janoris Jenkins had about the best bounce back game you could possibly hope for. It certainly hope helps that you're going from Mike Evans to whoever the Redskins tried to throw at him. I honestly don't know 
who the the consistent one was. I know that the first pick that he batted up in the air, that was against Robert Davis. I don't know if that was kind of the 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 main number one receiver for them. But I mean he forced that first pick, two picks of his own. Uh that sec his second pick was beautiful. The the second pick of Dwayne Haskins. His first interception, um, the second of Dwayne Haskins. He really, you know, high points the ball, boxes out the receiver, textbook, gets his head turned around. That was absolutely perfect. He was locked down. Now, next week, we're really going to see, is that a, is it a turnaround for him or is it just because he was playing essentially nobody? Because I don't care, I don't know, whoever, they, whoever Minnesota considers their one, I think they basically alternate, doesn't really matter, between Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. It's a tough matchup. So let's see what Jenkins can do next week. But no doubt after how bad he played uh, week three, very happy to see his bounce back uh, week four. Uh, and we uh, we both are going to uh, mutually give the giant shithead of the week to Grant Haley. Like, we'll just we'll just say that he had a bad game. Uh, he got yes, bar- burned by what? Terry Quinn. Is that that guy's name? Terry Quinn out of the slot spot multiple times. Uh, Case Keenum sucks and he just missed him de- going deep down the field. We call our when when we give like a mutual game ball, it's the gold it's the golden is the golden game ball or the golden, the golden ball. What do we call the it? golden game golden ball football. whenever it's like a consensus obvious player of the game, like Daniel Jones last week. Okay. The consensus if if we have a consensus shithead, we're gonna call it the golden poop. The golden the golden poop goes to Grant Haley this week. Yeah. I like that. Yes. I like that. Thank All right. You. So did you notice did you notice that we've gone basically almost like fifty four minutes into this podcast? We haven't even talked about Daniel Jones. It's huge. It's and then I, I'm glad you said that, Justin. It's important. Because the point is, Daniel Jones wasn't great. He wasn't perfect. He made some really nice plays. He made some terrible plays. He played like a rookie in his second game. And sure it was helpful, it was against a terrible team. It didn't affect them. The Giants weathered every storm that Daniel Jones created through a pick. It didn't matter. They, they, the Giants' defense was able to make a play. That's really important for a young team. You know, Daniel Jones can take them very far. The team around Daniel Jones, even when Daniel Jones wasn't playing at his best, the team was still performing. So basically, his his line was twenty three for thirty one, two twenty five, one touchdown, two interceptions, with a seventy eight quarterback rating. Okay. So basically, out of Daniel Jones's first two starting games, um, he still does have, even despite having pretty pretty low yards per attempt numbers this past week, he has a 25.4% aggressiveness percentage of any starting quarterback in terms of like taking to account throws that he makes in tight windows. Um, and we knew that heading into the season because he did that during the preseason. He constantly was fitting balls into tight windows and was able to take those risks now that is not to say that you want to be the most aggressive quarterback in the nfl you know if there's a guy that's wide open you know you want to you want to throw to the guy that's open not necessarily to the guy to ask that to ask a wide receiver to make a play um every single time but it is still surprising to see that daniel jones has that highest aggressiveness percentage considering only six passes went further than 10 yards last week for daniel jones so part of me says from this game, David, yeah, Daniel Jones didn't have a great game, but those two interceptions that he threw, he was throwing more than 10 yards down the field, and he was taking risk, but he was able to know from there that you want to know what? 
this Washington team throwing the ball deeper down the field past the first down markers wasn't really wasn't really what's available in front of me. So he was able to know that only six passes went further than 10 yards last week. So absolutely, you don't want to see those interceptions. But the fact that he didn't continue to try to push and push and push and push down the field, that lets me know that he's incredibly smart. And Pat Shermer did say after the game that Daniel Jones is smarter than all of us. One week after saying that Pat Shermer would rather have tough people in the room with him because he has been around a lot of smart people. So do you see how backwards that is by Pat Shermer? But at the same time, I love that he said that. Pat Shermer. Right now I love Pat <laughs> Shermer. So I don't want, I don't want to talk bad about him. He literally said, David last week after the, after the bucks game, he said, I've been around a lot of smart people in my life. I'd rather be around the tough ones. Daniel Jones is a tough guy. And then he said one week later, Daniel Jones is smarter than all of us. <laughs> I want to hire Pat Shermer to be my personal hype man. Well, he's both smart and tough. So he's the, he's the full package. Hence, hence full bloom love, Justin. Full bloom. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think you're right on target. The picks are, are they're plays that rookie quarterbacks are going to make, but I, I think you're right. Instead of panicking, he really fell into the offense more. Start running the, you know, obviously the game situation also helps, right? The, I right. think the Giants, as the game wore on, felt more and more confident in their ability. It doesn't matter if we go three and out. We go if we if we run five plays here and punt, it doesn't matter. We're going to stop them anyway. It doesn't make a difference. And, and to your point about only six six balls going more than ten yards. And I, I, I'm surprised more people haven't jumped on that as being like a, you know, oh, you crucified Eli Manning for this. How are you not crucifying Daniel Jones for this? Um, I have seen, I saw a couple people say it. The game situation it has everything to do with that. I believe if they needed to, Daniel Jones still would have been slinging the ball. And, and it would have been but productive. But he didn't. Because and that's the he, most important. But exactly, but he didn't. Exactly. But he understood that that's not what they needed, and all they needed from him was 220 yards and and a touchdown. And at that point, you know, once we got into the second half, just keep the ball safe. And they still managed to move the ball. It was only because of two fumbles they didn't have more points. Right. Right. Um, no, no, you're absolutely right because I, th- you know, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, the uh, you want to see the offense score a little bit more points, but I mean, offense put 17 points on the board. John Hillman fumbled in the red zone. So you're either talking about the offense putting up 20 or 24 points, 24 at best, 20 the worst, because they would have kicked a field goal. You're just not going to score 30 points every single game. You're you're just not going to do that. I will take when your defense is absolutely shutting another team out, I will take 20 points, and I will take that, and I will go home. Honestly, as a fan, if if the other team only has three points, I really don't want to see you score 40 points because I want to get the fuck home. There comes a point where I'm going to get the fuck home, especially when <laughs> it especially when it's 80 degrees in at it the end of September. What the fuck is happening with this weather? I need it to stop. By far, that was by far my worst, <laughs> by far my worst Giants game sunburn. That was awful. Yeah, you were bad. How are you right now? Like, you I'm, looked bad when I saw uh, you. It doesn't hurt too bad. The peel hasn't started yet. I think that'll probably start tomorrow. Yeah, that'll 
yeah, you'll so be, you'll be I'll be I'll Sunday. be good just time to go just in time to go back to the oh, game okay. on Sunday. I'll, I'll be well. Good. Hopefully, it won't be eighty but degrees. It, well, I believe I saw like sixty six and rainy. Rainy. It's also it's yeah, also saw, still like, way too showers. far. It's way too it's far Tuesday, to be looking yeah. at Sunday's weather. If it like I'm going yeah. to this Yankee game on Saturday, I I'm actually praying to Jesus Christ Himself that there is no weather, nothing that goes wrong with this Yankee game, weather wise. I'm looking I'm looking it up right now for you. Ricky Bobby praying to sweet baby Jesus. No, don't look it up. It's too it's too soon. You only can look at the weather like three days in advance. You can't look more than that. I'm gonna look at it. Oh, I'm don't, at it right don't now. you're don't you're it's it's gonna change. I'm telling 60 you. Sixty and change. sunny, Justin. It's gonna change by the time people listen to this tomorrow. I'm telling you it's gonna change. Well, tomorrow's eighty nine. Oh, fuck me. All right. Um here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna preview the pregame show. The New York football giants this Sunday have the biggest football game that they have played. In the regular season, I would say since the second Dallas game at MetLife Stadium. It's exactly that's the same game that I that's exactly what I was now thinking. obviously the biggest game since they played the playoff game in Green Bay, but regular season wise, that game against Dallas, the second game where Old Beckham Jr. took that slant for, you know, some 60, 70 yards, blah, 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 blah. This football game this Sunday is the biggest football game. And here's why I say this. And I think David, you're you're right there with me. You're two and two right now. If you win this weekend, you're three and two. You go to New England Thursday night, and you're inevitably probably going to lose. So then you're back to five hundred <laughs> three and three, which is fine. Which is absolutely fine. Three and three, if you know, six weeks in, great. If you lose this Sunday, you're two and three. You go into New England. You're probably two and four, and then probably your season's over. That's why this game is so important. And I think this is a very, very different team than what Daniel Jones has seen thus far. Um, and I mean that just from purely an ability standpoint, but also they just play a different style. They're they're uh, run the ball, run the ball, and play defense. And we've this is that's not a team that 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 really the Giants have seen. I mean, I guess they saw that Dallas is, is probably closer to that, but Dallas has really changed their mo. And we talked about that. The Vikings are a very very different team, and that concerns me. And and, and yeah, I think you and I will talk about that a lot more as we get into the pregame show. So I don't want to focus too heavily on the Vikings specifically, but. It means a lot for this for this season. It also just means a lot in terms of seeing. Okay, we, we right now Giants fans collectively feel really good about this team. You you love the direction they're going in. You love to see what you're seeing from Daniel Jones. You love to see what you're seeing from guys like Sterling Shepard. And you love to have Golden Tate back and Evan Ingram's blowing up and a lot of really good things. And I said this after Week One when they lost to Dallas. You kind of have a couple of games to build yourself up. You know, you you start you increase the difficulty. You kind of you, you raise the measuring stick. It's the way the season the schedule was built. Buffalo actually, I think, turns out to be a lot better than we than maybe we even thought they were week two. Not not offensively, but but defensively, yes. Then you get Tampa. Okay. Then you get Washington, which was is real rough, but 
nonetheless, and, and, and when, we're, when we were looking at the schedule, you say, okay, it's division game. You know, division game is always tough. Redskins are always, you know, the NFC East is the NFC East. You get a couple of games to get your sea legs under you. And then you kind of go. Then you get then you get a quick then you get a a game against a very good team at home. I think that's important. Yes. I think this is a fan base that's really energized behind this team right now. I expect MetLife to be rocking on Sunday. It was rocking this past Sunday, and I expect it to be rocking again on Sunday. The fact that these two games are coming back to back within each other is absolutely huge. You get the good team coming into your building. What can you do against them? Do you get run out of the building? Do you lose but keep it really close? Do you squeak out a win? They don't think they're gonna they're not gonna win. They're not gonna win in dominant fashion. Let's get that out there. But I also I don't think they're gonna lose in in dominant fashion. Well, you would certainly hope not. I I I'm really 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 intrigued to see where all of this all these thoughts we're having about all these guys who are starting to kind of find their find their place defensively. Jabril Peppers is starting to play really well. Jenkins seems to maybe have turned it around. Lawrence is playing well. Uh, O'Shane is playing well. Marcus Golden's playing well. Can you continue that and give a good team a hard time? Yeah, they just got to stop. They got to find a way to contain Dalvin Cook. They're not going to stop him. You know, they're they're just not going to stop him because I really don't think anybody has really. I mean, I, I I'm not even counting the Bears as a as a football team right now because that defense is just way beyond where anyone else is in the National Football League. I, I just have a feeling that if the Giants kind of have a similar approach to the Chicago Bears where they're inviting Kirk Cousins to air it out against them, like put a lot of guys in the box and try to stop Dalvin Cook, dare Kirk Cousins to throw the ball down the field. I know there's this viral video going around about Jordan Reed saying that, you know, Kirk Cousins has like this mental block where he, Kyle Rudolph was running wide open in the middle of the field and he checks it down to a running back. We've seen Kirk Cousins a fair amount, David. I don't think that he is hesitant to to beat you. I don't think so at all. In different kinds of ways. Maybe he's changed. Maybe there maybe there is a kind of mental blockage, maybe new offensive scheming. I don't I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a Vikings fan, but I'm just saying that, you know, despite the Vikings having where they are in the rankings right now, the 31st in passing yards per game, 32nd in passing first downs per game, despite all of that. I'm not putting anything past them because of the fact that they have a much better offensive line than they did during the days of Pat Shermer. And the fact that they do have, I I feel like Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback and they have very, very dangerous weapons. Kyle Rudolph, Diggs, Dalvin Cook. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's dangerous. I'm sorry. This is going to be by far the most important game so far of DeAndre Baker's career. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, not it's not even close. You you know you've got the Vikings have two number one receivers. So DeAndre Baker, we like what we've seen the last couple. And he's another one. He's been playing a lot better. So we you know it seems to be consistent. Week one he was not good, but I think I got overshadowed because of how bad Antonio Hamilton was. Week two he was very bad. Week three he was excellent against Chris Godwin. Last last week. I didn't call his name once. I didn't. I. I mean, I'm sure I missed a couple of things, but overall, he was very, very solid. The last two weeks, he's allowed five catches for 35 yards. That's nothing. Right. Two games. Right. And this, this is a, this is a really, this is a huge game, and it's really, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very, very interesting to see 
how not only how this defense plays, but the Vikings have a very good defense. Yeah, and the fact that you know you look at you you look at this from like an outsider perspective, where you're seeing Stefan Diggs is doing nothing but posting Instagram stories and tweeting like he wants to be traded and like he's literally on his way out in Minnesota. And then you hear Adam Thielen with these comments after the game saying, we got to throw the ball more. Or he's, you know, he's taking hits at either play calling or he's taking hits at Kirk Cousins. And you can have the mindset and the mentality of, oh, the sky is falling in Minnesota. That could either be a strength for the Giants where they can take advantage of that, or it could be totally detrimental because they're going to feel like they have something to prove this Sunday in East Rutherford. So, David, I kind of want to leave it at that, and we'll talk more about that during the during the pregame show. Do you have any kind of final thoughts? It needs to be Sunday. Uh, this is a this is gonna be a long week, Justin. Yeah, it it or, it really already has been. Like I tweeted out on Sunday, I was like, "Yup, we won that game. We took care of business. This fucking Sunday is the mo- I cannot emphasize it enough. It is the most important football game." This franchise has played since 2016. That is 2017 went by, 2018 has went by, and now a quarter of the football season has gone by in 2019. Shock, shocking, you know, four games. <laughs> it's, we're, already, we're already over the, the quarter, quarter of the way there. This is the most important football game that we have played in a very, very long time because it has the ability to set up the rest of the season and how we are going to approach it. So keep on bleeding blue. Keep on bleeding blue. We will see you for the pre-game show this Saturday evening. It'll hopefully be released around 5 p.m. You'll be able to listen to it Saturday night, Sunday morning. We will see you then. Keep on bleeding blue. Go Giants, go Giants, go Giants. And David. I love you all. Stay beautiful.